Okay, cool. Uh, morning, everyone. I think I echo Clude's words when I say uh, that it goes both ways. Uh, believe it or not, Clude was actually one of the first HubSpot partners that I onboarded um, in December 2015, I think it was. Um, I'm here five years now as of uh, May the 1st, and when I first joined HubSpot, I started in um, business development, so predominantly doing a lot of the initial conversations with prospects. And uh, yeah, as I said, Clude was one of my very first partners that I onboarded, so we've been working together now for close to three and a half years, and uh, yeah, it goes both ways, so it's always good to kind of come up here and kind of meet everyone and uh, go through this today. So, thanks, Clude. So, in terms of today, I'm going to spend um, probably about a half an hour going through a couple of um, different things. Uh, I'm going to take a different approach to Dermot's and Dermot predominantly talking about kind of the flywheel. From my perspective, it's very much getting into the weeds of the sales process from start to finish. I'm also going to reference a couple of uh, examples that even I use as part of my own sales process and um, other sales reps in HubSpot over the years. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the why in terms of why every business should have a sales process, the reasons why you should do it, um, and the disadvantages not having one in the first place. I'm going to spend time looking at prospecting. Prospecting is obviously that initial, the, I guess the initial engagement, the very first conversation that every prospect has with the, the first point of contact in that given business. Um, I'm going to look at the sales process, and from my perspective, we'll be covering five specific stages from the very first interaction to the point that you actually send a quote or send an activation link or whatever it may be. I'm going to look at a couple of sales metrics that every sales professional should be uh, familiar with. Um, and if not, I'm going to highlight reasons why you should do it. Um, and I'm going to finish with a couple of takeaways for any kind of sales professional in the room. Okay? Um, just before I get started, I just want to get a sense of who actually here works in sales. If you can all just put your hand up. Okay, so out, out of those, um, I'll actually, let me take a step back. Who is here that's in sales who works in business development? Okay, and any uh, sales reps? Okay, and business owners who are involved in sales? Okay, cool. So big, big kind of proportion percentage of people kind of involved in that. Okay. So in terms of, in terms of obviously having uh, and the reasons why everyone should adopt a sales process, it's, it's predictable, it's scalable. So obviously for a growing company like HubSpot, even kind of on, on Dermot and our team, uh, we have one year rep joining this month and there are specific playbooks that we have provided Connor with to ensure that he is set up for success. And these are playbooks based on the sales process. They're playbooks based on the various different stages that he should actually begin to take prospects through. Okay? So it's scalable, it's predictable. Uh, the second part of this is it's obviously very easy to measure what works and what doesn't work. So um, I think at the last hug you spoke about um, kind of uh, marketing campaigns, etc. And a lot, of, a lot of people here may A-B test specific campaigns. You should do the very much the same thing when it comes to running a sales process. You need to figure out, as part of any sales process, what works and what doesn't work. You need to document it, and then you need to feed it back to our internal team. So one of the things that we do when we have our weekly uh, team meetings is uh, each sales rep will get an opportunity to stand up and to present something that worked from a sales perspective the previous week or vice versa. And these are any pitfalls to avoid. There are any things that you should begin to adopt or do with prospects. Or it even could be uh, towards the end of the sales process when it comes to running a demonstration. It could be a, a couple of sound bites or a couple of questions that are a given that you should actually ask the prospect. Okay? It's easy to, to filter out bad fit prospects. So I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about prospecting, but prospecting is probably the hardest thing when it comes to selling, in my opinion, um, for the simple reason that when we get going or when we get started to talk with prospects, we're all pretty good at it. We know the product. We know what service it is we're trying to sell. 
but the hard part is actually get engaging, reaching out to the right people, etc. Okay. So Dearman spoke earlier about uh, enabling enabling you to qualify out. Okay. The other thing with this is that a sales process enables you to spend time with the right people. And that for the simple reason that you're, uh, as part of the sales process, there's a number of specific stages. And at any point in time, you can either tell the prospect that I actually don't think this is a good fit for A, B, and C reason. Or the prospect can say, Brian, I actually don't think HubSpot is a good fit for me because of A, B, and C reason. So you're always giving the prospect and yourself an opportunity to opt out. Okay? Last but not least, it's a simple, structured, pleasant buying experience for the customer. So um, I myself as a buyer have a pretty high action threshold. So i.e. I'm probably the worst person that you want to be speaking to if I was buying your product for the simple reason that I see, I probably see the negative side of things. I see the cost, whereas someone with a low action threshold very much sees the benefit or the success that, that product or service will bring. So in my eyes, one thing that I want as a buyer is I need to understand what is the process that he or she may take me through if it's a case that that product service is a good fit for my business, okay? So prospecting, okay? So as I said, prospecting is probably the, the hardest part when it comes to selling. It's the very first engagement that we have with people when it comes to selling whatever product or service we're selling, okay? The statistic that we have internally, which is 50% of sales time, is wasted on unproductive prospecting. What that means is people are spending time researching the wrong areas, they're not prioritizing their leads, they're not preparing, they're not doing any, they're not incorporating a HubSpot video or Vidyard into it, and they're not obviously uh, adapting and A-B testing their prospecting on an ongoing basis. So as part of that, this is kind of the algorithm, so to speak, that we've kind of built. So prospecting essentially equals research. So this is researching your lead, identifying who your buyer personas are, making sure you're speaking to the right people, identifying the, the geolocation that you're looking to target. So doing all the work in terms of actually before you actually pick up the phone. The second part then is prioritizing. So for example, if you research a database of a thousand contacts, how do you even begin to prioritize? Do you reach out to this lead or that lead, whatever it may be, okay? Preparation. So one thing that we do internally and when I was in business, uh, business development was kind of uh, the preparation of my day. So one of the things that I always did was calling blocks. So I had specific calling time where all I would do is I put the headset on and I would call, email, call, email, call, email, call, email on an ongoing basis. So I did most of my sourcing uh, from half eight to half seven. I did a two hour block from half eight to half 10. I took an hour to catch up on emails, get ready for the afternoon, take lunch, and then I had a second calling block in the afternoon. So typically I had a two hour calling block um, as part of kind of the, the prospecting piece. Okay, divided by the lead list based on who's a good fit, who's not. Okay. Um, and then same way you have a marketing funnel, this is the prospecting funnel. Okay, so uh, think of this as kind of top of the funnel, think of this as middle of the funnel, and think of this as bottom of the funnel. So at the top, you're, you're trying to identify who do you need to speak to, who is a good fit, who, who is a bad fit company, because uh, as I said, um, the worst thing that you can do is, is identify a database of leads that actually aren't a good fit for your products or service for whatever reason, and then begin to add them or import them into the CRM. Okay. Then when it comes to the prospecting piece, this is where you're actually proactively uh, engaging with prospects. You're picking up the phone, you're, you're making Vidyard videos, you're sending emails, you're dropping LinkedIn emails or LinkedIn emails. So actually, when I mention that, one thing that I used to do is I gave myself a goal every day to send five in-mails to five different business owners. 
So obviously myself and Dermot predominantly, uh, we used to onboard HubSpot partners. So I would try and identify uh, at least five agency owners within the, um, the location that I was working and send them five in-mails a day, okay? Then you're obviously having the conversations, you're trying to qualify someone in or out, you're trying to identify whether or not they have a problem before we even think about positioning HubSpot as a solution or the partner program as a solution to the challenges that Lude spoke about before he became a HubSpot partner. Then it's a case of selling, and the idea is that you've identified that they're a fit, you've identified they have a problem, and now it's a case of you actually beginning to provide value based on whatever products or service you sell. Okay, so in terms of managing the leads and managing the process, these are a couple of things that I think every sales professional should be uh, familiar with, okay? So a QL, a qualified lead, is you need to ensure that you have a set time in place to call them back, okay? Just a question, who, um, who calls back, or who, uh, who calls uh, their leads? So if, if leads come in, who calls them, okay? How many, keep your hands up, if you call back that lead within a day, if you, keep that, if you call that lead within two hours, okay, that's pretty good. Within the first half an hour, that's pretty good. Okay, I'm happy with that. I didn't expect that. Um, so this is kind of what we say to ourselves internally. If we get a qualified lead, i.e. this is someone that is looking at something on HubSpot above and beyond uh, one of our eBooks, if they have uh, viewed a specific, uh, if they've viewed the pricing page, if they've requested an inbound marketing assessment, if they've requested a demonstration, that is a qualified lead in my opinion. They're, they've specifically put their hand up. They want to speak to someone. I need to ensure that I can get back to them in time. Okay? So one of the things that I do is I have a number of CRM views built out in the HubSpot CRM that I rely on day in, day out. And a lot of my partners have the exact same views built out for themselves. Okay? So I have uh, views built out for recent visits. And this could be um, across the board. It could be if, if Dermot Walsh was on the HubSpot website, I can see what, what page, what, what conversion, anything that Dermot did. That is a recent visit, and based on that visit will, dis, will dictate whether or not you know, Dermot is worth a call or whether or not he needs a little bit more nurturing or emails, whatever it may be. Pricing page. So this is a, this is a huge one for HubSpot. So every single HubSpot sales rep will get a notification, uh, an email directly into the inbox stating, uh, that Clued Probert from Whiteout SEO has visited the pricing page. In addition to the email, it will provide me with a couple of resources that I should share with the prospect as part of their evaluation of HubSpot. Okay? And then recent QLs, qualified leads, other things that we have internally in HubSpot is um, uh, an SQL, a sales qualified lead, a PQL, a product qualified lead. So these are existing HubSpot customers, existing users using the free software, essentially putting their hand up. Um, saying, I want to evaluate this further, okay? So they're, they're definitely kind of key things that everyone should look to incorporate into their sales process today if you haven't already done so. Uh, again, other part of prospecting then is the idea of levering automation to do it, so sequencing. So I think I'll be the first one to admit when I first heard that sequencing or se sequences was coming out that I was kind of a little bit apprehensive about it for the simple reason that all I'd ever known was call, email, call, email, call, email, call, email. So my approach was, well, what does this mean or what will this lead me to? Does it mean that every single leader comes in, you're just going to assign them into a sequence and then hopefully wait for that prospect to book time with you directly? Okay, so as part of the prospecting sequences, I have a number of sequences built out. So again, I have a sequence for recent visits. So it could be, hey, Dermot, um, 
Uh, many thanks for visiting the HubSpot website today. Uh, it's all based on tokens, so it's all personalized. It will reference whatever ebook or page that Dermot viewed. Um, if this is something you want to discuss further, feel free to book a meeting with me. Okay? Two days later, Dermot will get his second email, which will state, hey, Dermot, just making sure this email didn't fall through the cracks. Are you sure you don't want to have a conversation with me? Okay? My book and link, my face, my signature. Then maybe four days later, Dermo may get some type of soft breakup. It could be, hey, Dermot, I've reached out to you a number of times over the last couple of weeks uh, or last couple of days. You haven't gone back to me. I'm assuming this is not of interest to you anymore. You know where to find me if things change. Okay? And then last but not least, we have another one for getting started with HubSpot. So we have a getting, HubSpot or getting started with HubSpot page on the website. Um, automatically, we have a sequence that we can assign users into that. Okay? So it's all based on time management. It's all based on how much time can you allocate to doing this. So for any uh, kind of um, business development representatives, you need to have specific calling blocks in the calendar where you focus on your CRM views. Your prospecting sequences, you can do that at any point in time. I may do that kind of first thing in the morning. I'll just go to recent visits, see anyone that clicked getting started to HubSpot, getting started with HubSpot page, and I will just assign them into the sequence. And while I'm, while I'm on site here today or while I'm coaching partners or when I'm running small group coaching sessions, all these sequences are happening in the background. And hopefully when I check my inbox later on today, I'll have a number of people that will be, want to speak to me. They'll request a meeting, whatever it may be. Okay? So make sure you can manage the leads, make sure you manage the process, and begin to think about building out views. Okay? Uh, video prospecting. So, Clude, uh, you were very fortunate to have uh, Michael Litt over t uh, six months ago, two quarters ago, I think it was. Um, to speak about video prospecting. He's the CEO of um, uh, Vidyard. And this is probably one of the biggest things that HubSpot sales have incorporated into their sales process. So I use video. Um, I'm at the stage where I will reply to an email that Clude sends me with a Vidyard video because it's easier and it's, it's probably a little bit more laid back. Um, but these are a couple of reasons why. I mean, you see it on the tube. You see it on the dart at home. Everyone are on their phones. Even now, I'll try and see it. No. Not too many people are on the phones today, which is good. But, um, so that's why like, everyone, everyone is on the phones. Reducing cold prospecting, um, the prospecting barrier, it's quite, um, it's quite disruptive. And it, it's just a completely different approach. And the other thing about it is that not everyone is doing this yet. So there's a huge, huge opportunity for you to begin to use video as part of the pros prospecting piece. You're putting a face to the name from the moment you reach out which goes a long, long way in terms of that prospect trying to see who is Brian, what does Brian want, and you can make it very personal. Okay? Easy way to prospect, stand out. You can add value straight away uh, to, to potential um, end clients. Okay? Uh, if anyone is not comfortable behind the, cam behind the camera, um, start doing vidyards and send, send it amongst yourselves as an internal team. And just begin to get comfortable with it. And, and my, my, I guess my typical vidyard video would be something like... Um, Hey, Clude, it's Brian here from HubSpot. I uh, hope all is well. Um, I noticed you were just on the website and requested a demonstration. Uh, happy to provide that with you, but first, let's have an initial conversation at some stage this week, and off the back of that, we can look to schedule that in. Um, I'm going to include my meetings link in the calendar invite, or in the email. Uh, feel free to book time with me. And that's it. So keep it short and sweet. Their vidyards are always less than 90 seconds, and uh, hopefully Clude will come back to me and say, yeah, I'd like to discuss. Okay? Who here is doing video prospecting already? Couple? Okay, cool. So continue to do it. Um, more and more businesses uh, are going to begin to adopt this software, and uh, you obviously have it directly within the system. Okay? 
Um, the prospecting sequence. So the idea is that if you think of a, a lead list, you're going to have good leads, you're going to have mediocre leads, you're going to have bad leads. And as part of that, you need to ensure that you put whatever lead it is through the appropriate process. So we have um, a system set up. Well, it's not a system per se, but it's more of um, an approach whereby depending on how you categorize the lead will dictate how much time I allocate to that person. So for example, anyone that is a low-level lead, I, I, I'm only going to reach out to them five times. So I'll make two calls, might leave two voicemails, I'll send a vidyard and maybe send one or two emails. Okay? So my approach, based on kind of the time that I have, I will typically um, uh, leverage sequences for any of my low-rated leads. And these are people that they may not be the decision makers in the business, the company may not be a fit for HubSpot based on the product or service they're selling. Um, but in terms of where I allocate my time, it's the likes of these people. So any high and medium leads, and what I have is kind of a process whereby it's a five-step process, which I'll go through on the next slide. Okay, so you call, you email, you use video, and you just repeat time and time again. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, okay? The other thing when it comes to prospecting is that a no is as good as a yes. So for example, if I speak to Andrew, and Andrew is a prospect, and he says, Brian, do you know what? I'm actually interested. That's fine, I'm okay with that. Uh, myself and Andrew will part ways as friends and I'll spend my time looking for the next prospect who potentially I can help. Okay, so that's always the, the attitude that we have in-house, uh, which is a no is as good a yes. You can't help everyone. Okay, and then this is, this is what I was kind of referencing in terms of you need to be smart with your, uh, be smart with your time. So 2% of sales are made in the very first contact that um, a sales rep has with a user or a prospect has with you. And these are essentially people that have reviewed your product, reviewed your service, and they're at the stage where um, they know they need whatever product service that is, okay? 10% of sales are made on the fourth, and then 80% of sales are made on the fifth to 12th contact. So the, the highest, um, the, the best response that we get to emails in-house in HubSpot is the breakup email, which is what I said earlier. It's, it's uh, hey, Andrew, um, I've tried you a number of times over the last two weeks. I haven't heard back from you. I'm going to assume that this is not something you want to discuss, question mark. And then that's it, and typically Andrew may come back with either a yes or a no. And from my perspective, that's all I'm looking for. Okay. Um, now, the sales process. Okay, so I'm gonna spend a time looking at a couple of specific stages. These are all stages uh, that we adopt in-house uh, to some degree. Uh, down here might be slightly different depending on the product or service you're selling um, and whether or not it's face-to-face uh, -face or whether you have a kind of a, a, a SaaS product. Um, so I'm going to look at sourcing, the, the connect call, the discovery call, the solution prese presentation or demonstration, and then kind of signing a contract and kicking off. Okay, so in terms of uh, sourcing and prospecting, I've spoken a lot about this already, but you fundamentally need to identify who is a fit, who is not a fit, and begin to allocate prospecting time based on targeting those types of people using uh, various different social channels, using emails, using vidyards, anything you can get your hands on. Okay, um, from a HubSpot perspective, and this is even a technology perspective, there's a tool that we use in-house which is called Ghostery. So it's G-H-O-S-T-E-R-Y. And it's a tool that enables you to identify what technology uh, business is using. So from a HubSpot perspective, I can, if I was on abc.com, I could click on Ghostery. It's just a free Google Chrome add-on. And it will tell me that that company is using Marketo or Eloqua or Lead Forensics or Google Analytics, anything like that. So it's a pretty cool tool. Okay. Um, Obviously, decide who you want to begin to spell time with, build up a, a continuously strong pipeline. Obviously, for um, 
A lot of people, it's coming up to summer. Summer means holidays. Holidays typically means that you need to double down on your prospecting activity three to two weeks before that. Okay. Um, as I said, one of the biggest things that I used to do is to have weekly dedicated time to sourcing and prospecting. And I would encourage you to do it as a team. So uh, I was fortunate that there was another one of um, my team. So Dear you were, I think you were employee 35. I was number 70, 72. Um, and at the time, there was only one other um, business development representative on the AP side of things. And on direct, there was a lot more on that side. But we had a thing which was we would not go for lunch until we were the top two from an activity perspective in HubSpot in Dublin. And that was kind of one of the metrics that we used to ensure that we were doing the, the appropriate level of prospecting uh, to ensure that we were staying ahead. Because assuming you put in the input, the output will come out at the end. Okay? Book, book column blocks to your calendar. Okay? Um, the connect call. So the connect call is obviously that very first engagement, very first interaction that you will have with um, a prospect. Typically, it's short, so it's only kind of 10 to 15 minutes, and you're simply trying to identify who are you speaking to, do they have a problem, are they looking for help? They're kind of the three things that I look for to uh, qualify someone in or out at the end of the connect call. Okay? As much as HubSpot may be a fit for the business, is the business a good fit for HubSpot? Okay? Great credibility and trust. One of the ways that I, uh, one of the approaches I have when it comes to that is before I have a connect call with anyone, I will always go onto their LinkedIn profile and I'll scroll back to one of their previous roles. So, for example, if I was speaking to a marketing agency in HubSpot, I would say something. Um, I may speak to Helen and I'll say, God, Helen, you, you're, you're founder of agency for X years. I was actually just checking you out on LinkedIn and I noticed that 20 years ago or 10 years ago, you used to do X or whatever it may be. So you're trying to find something that you can kind of break down the barriers. Because uh, remember, people like to talk about themselves as well. So if I find something that Helen is interested in, hopefully she'll, she'll start talking about it. There's my little bit of trust, my credibility. I'm, I, I'm showing that I'm, I'm different in terms of my approach. I'm not just going straight into a pitch. And then hopefully we can identify whether or not Helen has a problem that I can solve. Okay. Um, identify any challenge, preferably quantified. Like, this will not happen all the time. Bear that in mind. Like, there's very few connect calls that uh, a salesperson may have whereby the prospect just gives them everything. You know, their problems, their challenges, the, the revenue numbers, everything. So you need to ensure that you're, you're at least trying to, to get a sense of it, but typically that will happen at the next stage. Okay? Um, homework. So does anyone incorporate homework as part of the sales process? Very good. Okay. So... Um, this is what I do for every single prospect that I take through the sales process, i.e. there are specific homework or specific things that I need from the prospect in order for them to get that next stage or next, uh, next step call with me. So I use this as a way to qualify people in or out because from my perspective, if someone is not willing to spend five minutes filling out a questionnaire, are they willing to spend 15, 20 grand on something like HubSpot in the first place? Okay? So the homework I send is, uh, there's probably 15 questions it's kind of yes, no, a little bit of information is required, but it honestly takes no more than 10 minutes. I send that to the prospect, and it has to be completed before I go to the third stage, which is the discovery call. Okay? So I would strongly encourage everyone to begin to think about incorporating some type of homework into your sales process because it's very much give and get. They give you information, they get something in return, and vice versa. Okay? Um, and then the outcome, schedule discovery call or your parting ways. So I will always say at the start of the connect call, I may say something like, Pete, um, just, just to set the expectation, two things typically happen at the end of this call. One, we either look to schedule 
our next step call, which we can do at some stage this week, or we may actually look to part ways as friends if it's not a fit from your end or my end. How does that sound? And typically the prospect is, oh, that sounds, that sounds good, because they know what they're in for, they know what's gonna happen, and they have an opportunity to opt out if they don't wanna speak to me anymore. Okay, the discovery meeting. So the discovery meeting is typically where you do the bulk of your selling. It's the opportunity, or it's not the opportunity, it's the step where uh, you provide value, uh, you dig, you try and identify to what extent you can help the prospect in question. So GPCT, goals, plans, challenges, timelines, band, budget, authority, need, and timing. So these are kind of eight things that you need to begin to think about to truly qualify someone in or out based on whatever product or service that you're selling. Okay, this actually wasn't meant to be here because it was meant to be a question, but does anyone know like a level one, a level two, a level three? Pete, very good, okay. Um, so this is, this is kind of something that we use in-house to kind of qualify uh, to what extent someone has a goal. So one of the, the, the mistakes or the pitfalls that any sales rep will do is, uh, I may ask a, a business, uh, talk to me about, or what are your goals for 2019? And the prospect may say, well, I'm looking to increase revenue by 10%. So the sales rep says, tick, sweet, I got the goal, I'll now move on to plans, okay? So a level one goal is pretty high level. It's, it's uh, I wanna increase revenue by 10%, okay? A level two goal has a timing to it. So I wanna increase revenue by 10% by the end of Q2 2019. And a level three goal is I wanna increase revenue by 10% by the end of 2019, because if I don't, I'm not in a position to hire two additional salespeople for 2020, okay? So I kind of say every salesperson will get level one, the good salespeople will get level two, and the great salespeople will get level three, okay? So begin to think about that um, a lot more and don't just take someone's word for it in terms of I want to increase revenue by 10%. Why 10%? What happens if you don't hit 10%? Have you tr how much did you grow last year? And so on and so forth, okay? Per Prepare well, again, you're, you're setting your clear agenda. Always um, steer the conversation and be super transparent in terms of what is gonna happen during the course of, during the, course of the discovery call. Um, and from our perspective, it's probably in and around 60 minutes. Um, again, it completely depends on the, the value of the transaction or product or service that you're selling. Um, some people will do it uh, over something like Zoom. Other people will go face-to-face -face and have like an in-house kind of discovery call that they may run. Okay, introduce pricing. So I will never um, bring someone to a demonstration until they are familiar or aware of the HubSpot pricing. So at the end of the discovery call, I may say something like, um, Clude, have you, have you had a chance to see the pricing page? And Clude may say yes or no. Regardless what Clude says, I will take them to the pricing page. And based on what product and service they're looking at, I will give them, I will give them an accurate breakdown on the costs. Okay, if I was buying, I don't want to be left in the dark. And that's how I see prospects. Okay, so always introduce pricing, and if pricing is not a fit, we can either schedule the demo or we'll part ways as friends, okay? Easy for them to opt out, easier for me to opt them out based on whether or not they don't meet the criteria. Okay, uh, solution presentation or demonstration, um, depends what way you wanna look at us. Obviously at this stage you've identified they have a problem, now it's a case that you can truly begin to sell the solution, okay? Um, and focus, do it in that order. Someone has a problem, then they're fit for the solution, okay? You've added value, you've, you've walked through ROI, you've handled any questions they have. Um, the structure of it, 
you know, from, from a services perspective, you may have deliver particular deliverables you need to deliver upon, whatever it may be. Um, you've handled objections. And just make sure the prospect is at the stage where they know exactly what's going to happen. Okay? Uh, so sometimes a question that I may ask if I run a demonstration at the very start, I may say something like, Pete, if this goes well, what happens then? And I'll just, I'll just see what the prospect says. Okay, because I'm trying to get a sense to what extent Pete is committed to truly evaluating the solution in question. Okay, um, do the presentation on site, uh, obviously face to face for anyone doing proposals, uh, do it um, face to face. One of the pitfalls for any agencies that we have here that I've seen in the past are essentially agencies sending over proposals online and not um, walking the prospect through what's involved, the deliverables, the expectations, etc. Okay, and again, same as every single stage, you're going to move on to the, the closing call or whatever way you want to phrase it, or you're going to look to part ways as friends. Okay, and then sending the official quotation or getting the prospect to sign there and then, depending on whatever the process is that you have, a couple of things to do. You've obviously outlined the service, you've outlined the, the products. From my perspective, if I am buying anything, I like to know what happens post-purchase. So I'm probably a prospect that you need to reassure. Brian, it's going to be okay. Brian, we've spoken to a number of businesses just like you, and we've helped them do A, B, and C. So that's the type of thing that I'm looking for if ever I get to the stage where I'm on the other end or something like this. Okay? Um, I spoke earlier, do not write a full quote unless you're 99% sure it will be accepted. And one thing that we encourage everyone to do is create a template that is easy to reuse. There's a, a lot of time goes into creating a bespoke proposal for any product or service, and we'd encourage people to begin to have a template that you can use to replicate it time and time again. Okay? And then, last but not least, what's going to happen, either they're going to sign the contract, you'll have an official start date in place, or you're going to part ways with friends. Okay? You okay in time? Yeah. Um, so sales metrics. So I spoke about this earlier for any sales professional in the room. A, a couple of key metrics that every sales professional needs to be very familiar with, and the start of it is looking at your own conversion rate. So this is something that does not happen overnight. Okay, This is something that you need to probably do for, I would say, a quarter or two quarters. But you need to begin to get a, get a sense of, if you as a salesperson get 100 leads, uh, how, how much business will you close from that? Okay, So here's an example kind of sales funnel. These are 100 leads, okay, of which not all of the leads want to speak to you. Not all of these leads are a good fit. Not all, the, not all of these leads is a right time, whatever it may be. So you're probably only going to connect with about 30% 30, 30 of them. Okay? So you'll have 30 connect calls. Remember, a connect call is a 10 to 15-minute conversation. Uh, what are you looking for help with? Um, is this something you're looking to fix? Uh, how long have you been evaluating X provider for? Okay? So it's brief, short, sweet, trying to qualify someone in or out. Again, probably 30% of those will make it to the exploratory call. Just because you have a sales process in place doesn't mean that everyone has to go, go through the entire process because if I was to demo HubSpot to every single person that wants a demo, I'd, be, I'd literally be on the phone 24-7. Okay? So out of 10 exploratory calls, you may get to kind of four uh, goal-setting calls, or goal-setting will be like a proposal call or um, a proposal call, a workshop, anything like that. Um, out of those, you may get to two demonstrations, and obviously anyone who is demoing software, you're typically looking, uh, at the very least, for a one and two close rate. If you demo to two people, at least one won't proceed and activate whatever product or service it is. 
okay? So that's something that you need to, um, you need to incorporate. And if you don't have something like this in place, I would say you probably need to give it four, six, I would say almost four, probably six months to get an accurate view on if you get 100 leads, how many of those will you close, okay? Uh, these are just a couple of dashboards that even um, uh, I use in-house, obviously myself on, um, on Dearman's team. So we have uh, deal forecast by owner, so you have uh, a wide variety. These, are, these could be all the individual sales reps. Uh, the different colors correspond to the various different products and services that they are selling. And then you also have kind of deal stages. Again, deal stages, obviously you can customize that within the HubSpot CRM. Don't just take this as standard, but that could be the typical kind of sales process that people may try and qualify people to or with, should I say. And then deal forecast, obviously from, a, um, from an ownership perspective, what are you forecasting based on closing that within the given month? Okay, and then here's an example of a, a B2B sales pipeline. So um, obviously for those of you who are familiar with the HubSpot CRM, you have, it looks something like this. And the idea is that the first thing you'll do is you will define whatever your stages are, okay? So created, so this is after the connect call, you will qualify that prospect in, you will create an opportunity. That opportunity will initially sit here before you move it to discovery. Discovery is obviously that 60 minute um, uh, call with the prospect, okay? And then based on what happens after the discovery, you either may move it to close lost or you may actually move it to various different stages of the funnel, okay? So you might have one here for like demonstration. So if I move someone from here to demonstration, I'm gonna move them there. Um, two things that I will always populate when it comes to me moving an opportunity forward. One or three things I should say. One is a next step. So what is the next step? So it could be um, Brian to, uh, to demo HubSpot to Clude. Okay, it could be something like that. Or it could be uh, Brian to follow up with Clude after Clude summer holidays on X date. I will then create a task and then follow up with them then. The other thing I do is I will update the next step date because anything, any date that's in the past shouldn't be there. Okay. The final thing is revenue. revenue. I will populate the opportunity record that corresponds to whatever uh, products they're looking at, marketing, sales, service. Okay. And then I just have one more to finish. And Oh, no, actually, I don't. I'm getting one step ahead of myself. A um, couple of uh, takeaways, okay, just based on kind of what we spoke about, just to recap. So I have three things here that I want to walk you through. The first is going to look at... Um, prospecting. So I, I spoke a lot about prospecting. Uh, there's people here that do it, there's people here that don't do it. So I want to give you like a, a prospecting cycle, which you can begin to commit to from next week. Okay. So it says takeaways. I kind of think this is homework. I give my prospects homework. So hopefully I can give the attendees of the Hug Today homework. So this is like a 120 day prospecting cycle. Okay. So this is today. The very first thing that you need to do as part of um, implementing a prospecting cycle is you need to build out a lead list, okay? Wherever you get that list from, you need to identify that they're good fit prospects based on um, the research you've done, okay? They're, they're in the market, um, they're speaking with the right people, they're interested or are looking to evaluate your product or service. Week two is you create your outreach assets. So these are your templates, these are your documents, these are uh, your Vidyard videos, uh, any asset that you will use as part of the prospecting piece, okay? Week three, you set everything up directly within the HubSpot CRM. Your various different stages create specific views for you as a sales rep. So obviously in the HubSpot CRM, you'd filter, you'd have specific views for your pipeline or your leads. So you do that. And then you agree metrics, and these are metrics amongst the sales team as a whole. So for any sales managers 
what are, if I go quickly back to this, what are um, the specific conversion rates that your team are uh, closing at, okay? Uh, so that's, say, week three, and then start of week four, you start 90 days of prospecting. So that's 12 weeks of prospecting the database or lead list that you've identified as a fit or not, okay? So it's what? It's, it's the middle of April, so technically by, uh, what are we, middle of, middle of May, middle of June, middle of July, middle of August, you could have taken someone through that 120-day prospecting piece. And what you would do throughout this is any time, I mentioned we have obviously weekly team meetings, you would you will give a chance to other reps on the team to actually speak of what's working, what's not working. Share, share specific examples. Okay. Second thing, or second piece of homework per se, is you need to document your sales process. Okay. Who has their sales process documented? A couple. Okay. Not too many. Um, pretty simple thing to do, and if you think of scaling your business, you need to have a document or a process that you can then hand over to that new sales rep. Okay, so document your own sales process, and then the homework is you present it back to a colleague as if they were a new hire. Pr uh, you know, almost pretend that he or she knows nothing about um, the sales process. Okay, improve and adapt it where necessary. Again, A/B test. So one of the things we do in HubSpot, we will um, interview and we will set up um, meetings with uh, the most successful sales reps, both from a channel side and a direct side. And just almost like an interview, what's working, what's not working, any pitfall that you've seen over the last couple of weeks. And then again, this is your sales process for the coming six months. Okay? Um, and then to finish, uh, Dearmo spoke a lot about um, the flywheel. So I've kind of built my own flywheel, but it's a sales flywheel. So I don't know. I, I like that. Oh, you can tweet that if you want. But um, so... So the idea is that if for any sales professional, for you to be successful in sales, there are kind of three areas that need to ensure that you're all over. The first is your activity. So again, it all starts at the top. It all starts with the hard part, which is generating the engagement, um, generating the conversations, outreach on LinkedIn, outreach on Twitter, LinkedIn emails, any type of method that you can think you can incorporate into your sales process. So it all starts with activity. Skills as well. I mean, obviously, I've been in HubSpot five years, but I'm constantly trying to improve. I'm constantly asking other people what's working, what's not working. So you need to make sure you're open to that. Um, I'd like to say that I read a lot of books. I really don't, but I should do more. So even little things like that, there's a number of kind of um, sales books that are, are kind of strongly encouraged people to adopt and read. There are things, if you are a reader, try and commit to something like that. And then processes. Like, I've kind of walked you through a couple of my own processes. Um, you need to have those documented. You need to be willing to adapt to them based on what's working, what's not. But in my opinion, if you, f if you have a high level of activity, if you are constantly looking to improve and do better, and if you have processes nailed, then hopefully that should lead to um, a successful kind of career in sales for those that are in it or for people that are looking to branch into it. Okay? So that is it for me.